this situation. He took a pinch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Travis Bob Pro The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my winner. I spent some time discussing what really constitutes an all-time great when it comes to any sport. Because I think there's so many different things that come to our head and so many different angles we take while we're kind of looking this over. And I think the easiest thing, the first and most natural thing to discuss is how many championships a given player wins. And if you think of the likes of Bill Russell, who is always going to be considered a basketball great. I think his name gets lost in the discussion when it comes to who is the GOAT, the greatest basketball player of all time, because I think so many things have happened in the last 50 or so years, and we've been able to dissect several different versions of the basketball game that we've grown to know and love. The game that we may love right now may be different to the, from the game that I grew up and watched. And that game might be different from the game that my father grew up and watched. Yet, there still were some of the most iconic and dominant players of given generations. But Bill Russell's name comes up because he is a rarity, a player that is really the definition of winning in a team sport. 11 NBA championships in 13 seasons is something that, listen, you can talk about baseball, hockey, you can talk about football, it's something you're not going to see again. And if I'm an NBA player and know that the only way that I could be in the GOAT or greatest of all time discussion is to win 13, I'm sorry, win 11 NBA championships, that's not going to happen. That's impossible to happen. But as we've followed the last several years or the several years that have gone after the great career of Bill Russell, we have defined the greatest of all time in many different ways. Will Chamberlain played in the same era as Bill Russell. Will Chamberlain was a different player. He won two championships in his very long NBA career. But what stands out about Will Chamberlain as an individual player he was much more accomplished than Bill Russell. He scored once 100 points in a game. He averaged in one season over 50 points a game. And you're looking at a player that averaged many more points a game than Bill Russell. Is the only other player in NBA history to average more rebounds in a single game in a history of the sport other than Bill Russell. Now, we look at Wilt Chamberlain differently because Wilt Chamberlain won two championships in a very long career. He was a seven-time scoring champion. He was a 13-time All-Star, 11-time re- rebounding champ, but only won two NBA championships. So if we're going to use that information, are we going to say that Bill Russell was more dominant than Wilt Chamberlain or a greater basketball player? As we talk, in, as we talk about 20, 30 years down the road, We think of a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won six NBA championships over the course of his long career, but was also a several-time scoring champion. 
was considered just from a finesse standpoint one of the greatest players that basketball has ever produced. So, Michael Jordan winning six championships. Did that become the new, I don't know, to be in a discussion, do you need six championships? Because Kobe Bryant went out there and won five over the course of his great career. LeBron James, certainly if you're looking for three generations, maybe a little bit kind of tied in with each other, a little bit of overlap. LeBron James is right after it. He is the all-time scoring leader. He is a four-time NBA champion. But is LeBron James disqualified from the GOAT discussion because of championships? We understand that the answer to that is a resounding no. Now, I could take the ambivalent approach and say that it's more about uh, your approach, how you feel when you look at different things. You know, are you looking for championships? Are you looking for somebody that is the uh, consistent scoring leader? It's going to lead the league in points, assists, rebounds. If you've heard my discussion on the show several times, I think the triple-double is becoming a padded stat. You're padding stats. It's not necessarily centered around your ability to lead a team to victory. It's more of an individual thing to have a triple-double. We say triple-double means, hey, you're scoring points, you're grabbing rebounds, you're dishing the ball out, you're doing all the different things that you need to do to help your team win. I think triple-doubles are becoming more selfish now. They're becoming more of a look-at-me stat line as opposed to helping your team win. Now, how does it apply to the best player in the NBA right now? I believe the now or after the end of the season, three-time defending league MVP, Nikola Jokic. It's kind of hard to battle or dispute what he's doing right now this season. 25 points a game, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. He's about to average a triple-double for the entire season. I think he has become uh, really the best all-around player in the NBA. Does it mean he's going to win the MVP this year? Listen, I, I would take... Your vote for Embiid, Joel Embiid, if that if that's what you wanted. I think there's been very dominant players in the NBA this year. So it's not just Nikola Jokic. But what you're seeing is a resume that's being built right before our eyes. And I think you're looking at Jokic and you could say, hey, he plays another 10 or another 12 seasons. Where will he rank in the all-time greatest player discussion? Now... One thing that the NBA fan is going to have a little bit of a hard time with is how much Nikola Jokic is winning. Is the Denver Nuggets, are the Denver Nuggets in a good enough position this year to win themselves an NBA championship? And I'd probably lean towards no. It's a crowded Western Conference. Sure, I'd believe a little more if they could win a couple series. The problem is, is Nikola Jokic doesn't have. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. You know, you think about Bill Russell and Bob Cousy and all, you know, Casey Jones and all those guys with the Boston Celtics teams. You know, there, there, there was a reason why those that was the greatest team of all time. Because it took more than one player. And what has been proven in the NBA is that one player cannot transcend a team by himself. Even Michael Jordan. Even Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant needed Shaq. 
Kobe Bryant needed a, a Pau Gasol. Otherwise, there, there was no way that that one individual player was going to carry the team on his back to the championship. And if you're looking at the likes of Steph Curry, who's won four NBA titles, he's done that with Klay Thompson and with Draymond Green and for two years with Kevin Durant. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, LeBron James has won four different and four NBA championships with three different teams. One in Miami with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. One in Cleveland with Kyrie Irving. And, of course, one in Los, Los Angeles with the Lakers with Anthony Davis. You need some other dominance. It can't be one great player and a bunch of good players that help win a championship. Like I said, Michael Jordan doesn't win six championships with Scottie Pippen. You know, the only, if you're going to argue that point with me, how many did he win without him? Zero. I'm sorry. It just never happened. You know, their careers coincided, but Michael Jordan didn't go to Washington with the Wizards and win there. You know, Scottie Pippen didn't win without Michael Jordan, but nor did Jordan win with Pippen. And I think we, we have a hard time when we're, when we're having this discussion of the greatest of all time with a sport because we're stuck between the player's individual dominance and the amount of championships they won. The greatest football player of all time is considered to be Tom Brady, and that's because of the seven Super Bowls that he won, six with New England and one with Tampa Bay. Now, was he the best quarterback of all time? Well, it's going to be hard to not look at the Super Bowl championships when looking at anything else. How many other quarterbacks won that many Super Bowls? The answer is no. But Otto Graham won seven championships in the ten, in 10 seasons in the National Football League. Won the four AAFC championships of an entire league that existed for four years. And then won three NFL championships once the Cleveland Browns joined the NFL. And you want to know how great Otto Graham and his coach Paul Brown were? After 1949, after the AAFC dissolved, the Browns were brought into the NFL and they won the NFL championship in their first year. It's hard, you know, when you're talking about championships, you've got to talk about all types of championships, right? We can't say football didn't exist before the Super Bowl era. So Otto Graham certainly has to be in a discussion when we're talking about greatest quarterback or greatest player in the history of the National Football League. But once again, you wonder how deluded our minds become when we're ranking championships or we're seeing the dominance of what we're seeing on the court. I think what you saw with Wilt Chamberlain was some of the greatest basketball and most dominant player in the history of the sport. What you're seeing right now with Nikola Jokic is something really special. A player that seems to do everything correct and is a great show if you're a fan watching the game right now. Will he be up there in a discussion of the greatest of all time? I don't know. Does he have a career like Chamberlain where he puts up all these great numbers, but when it's all said and done, wins two championships? Maybe. And if that's the case, that's not a bad parallel. But you're looking at dominance of a great individual basketball player, but not the correct amount of credit given because that player hasn't won a ton of championships. Next point, I had a touch on 
my my opinion about what's going on with Lamar Jackson. You hear that he's out there, he's demanded a trade, he wants to be out of Baltimore, he doesn't feel like he's been respected there. And I'm going to preface what I'm about to say to remind the listener and the viewer that very often we get pigeonholed into taking a certain stance on an issue that we're not necessarily one-sided one way or the other on. And that's the best way I could describe my opinion about Lamar Jackson and what he is going through at this given moment. Because I think Lamar Jackson has the right as a good to dominant quarterback and an MVP in this league to want to be paid in regards to being up there with the best. He wants to get paid like Patty Mahomes. He wants to get paid like Deshaun Watson. He probably thinks, hey, I won an MVP and Deshaun Watson did not. Why shouldn't I be up there with what he is getting paid? <coughs> Excuse me. But I see the other side of it. Lamar Jackson has a little bit of an injury history. He missed a considerable part of the end of the season. From a durability standpoint, I don't know if I'd sign off on the greatest contract in the history of the sport. And then there's also the fully guaranteed element, which Lamar Jackson and his camp is looking to push right now. Deshaun Watson got it, so it now should be the norm in the National Football League for players, particularly quarterbacks, to get fully guaranteed contracts. Let's remind everybody that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League right now, and his contract is not fully guaranteed. In fact, there's one contract in the history of the National Football League that is fully guaranteed, and that's the one that was given out to Deshaun Watson, probably from the Cleveland Browns to lure him to come to Cleveland via a trade. And it worked. It got him to go there. It's not the norm. Lamar Jackson, maybe, led by his camp, is expecting it to become the norm. The NFL owners are not ready to do that yet. They have not done that with any other player. If Lamar Jackson is holding out specifically with the intent of getting a fully guaranteed contract, he's going to be waiting a long time. The other element of it is, should he be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the National Football League? I have no issue with that. But once again, you're looking at him being given a franchise tag, one which gives him the opportunity to negotiate with any other team in the National Football League. And any other team could give him whatever contract they want. Not one team has stepped forward saying, hey, I could just sign Lamar Jackson right now to be my franchise quarterback. Nobody's come to the table with a huge offer to this, at this moment. I think some of that speaks to the durability issues, which I was saying. Hey, he didn't finish the season last year. In a playoff game, he was unable to play. Now, if he was restricted, if his knee was really that messed up and he was unable to play, it's understandable. You can't play if you're hurt. And I spoke a couple of years ago about James Harden, or last year, about James Harden playing hurt in the playoff games for the Brooklyn Nets. Well, if you're well enough to play, you're well enough to take scrutiny. You don't get an excuse. Hey, you played like shit, but it's okay because you were hurt. So if Lamar Jackson, from his brand standpoint, certainly didn't want to do that. But if the nature of his injury would have prevented him from performing at a high enough level, he's got the right to not play. 
So if you could kind of dissect some of the stuff that I'm saying here, you understand that I'm a little bit disputed. I like Lamar Jackson. I think he should get a top contract. He should be the number one quarterback for many teams in the National Football League. In other words, there are several teams out there that look at the quarterback that they have and probably believe that Lamar Jackson's a better option than the one that they have. So when it comes down to it, should Lamar Jackson feel disrespected by the Baltimore Ravens? Yes. And I think the Baltimore Ravens are put in a position where they should act on this. They should say, hey, if we believe enough in this guy to be our quarterback for the next five to seven years, we're going to have to pay him that way. Otherwise, it's time to work out a deal and get something back for him, but send him someplace where he could be that guy. I wanted to finish the show off by something that kind of does frustrate me a little bit, and I'm not going to get too much into it because I brought these points up several times on the show. I believe the New York Mets, the only team in the world of sports that I allow to hurt me, did the right thing in the composition of its bench as we get set for opening day of the 2023 season. A couple days from now, I'll be down in Miami watching the first game of the season like I have for the past 20 or so years, not counting the uh, shortened season of 2020. Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, two highly regarded Mets prospects, are going to start the season in the minor leagues. I agree that that's the right move. I think from a standpoint of having players on the bench be best suited for the roles that they have. The Mets are going to come to Miami and then up north to City Field with the best five players that they could have possibly selected. You need a catcher. Tomas Nito's the guy. Francisco Alvarez, he's got to become a better defensive catcher. He's got to command the respect of a veteran pitching staff a little better. And once he comes up, he's going to be up for good. So that part... I think I explained pretty easily. Luis Guillorme can play the middle infield, can back up at third base. He can run a little bit. He could give you a little bit of, uh, you know, if you're going to pinch hit somebody late in the game. But I think he plays that role pretty well. That leaves three more spots, assuming that you're going with nine starting players and four bench players. So, so you're looking at, what, 13 players total? Tommy Pham has not had a good spring, but he ha- he represents a little bit of a dual threat to be a fourth outfielder or so, an extra outfielder if somebody can't play or needs a day off. But he's going to be the right-handed bat to start against left-handed pitching. You got a left-hand pitcher out there. Daniel Vogelbach's not going to be playing, so you're going to use Tommy Pham against left-hand pitching. Now, is this another John Mayberry situation? Is this another Darren Ruff situation? I know some fans are relieved. Darren Ruff didn't play that well after he was acquired from the Giants at the trading deadline in a deal last season. Didn't have a good spring, but you know he had to get a cortisone shot. He really, from a health standpoint, is not really where he wants to be. Mets made the move. They DFA'd him. Saving the last spot on their bench for Tim LaCastro. Now, Tim LaCastro had a good spring, but once again, I I think we overrate the performances of players that are playing for a spot on a roster in spring training. Uh, and you, you wonder, 
you know, a three-something batting average with some power and some stolen bases and looking really good, how is that going to carry over throughout a given season? I don't necessarily believe that. It's a guarantee. Travis Jankowski comes to mind. He was a good player. I like the role that he had as a fourth outfielder, pinch runner, a defensive replacement, but really showed you nothing offensively, and it isn't going to break camp when any squad once this season starts. I hope that Tim LoCastro is not the same thing, but I like his role to be able to come off the bench and pinch run, to be able to be a defensive replacement in the outfield, and hopefully be a little bit of an upgrade over um, some somebody that is is struggling in a lineup. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPaley.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two A's One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Really quick, we're going to breeze through this day or saving sports history. Today is the 27th day of March 2023. Uh, on ni- 1939, the first men's NCAA championship. Oregon, 46, Ohio State, 33. Joe Lewis in 1942 KOs Abe Simon to retain the W, uh, I'm sorry, the heavyweight champion, uh, the heavyweight championship in New York City. 1946, 7th NCAA Basketball Championship, men's version. Oklahoma State, 49. New York U, 44. 1951, 13th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Kentucky beats Kansas by 10. In 1962, Jock Plant, the goalie of the Montreal Canadiens, won his sixth Vezina Vezina Trophy. Vezina, I'm sorry, I'm saying that correctly now. 1971, 33rd uh, NCAA Basketball Championship. UCLA beat Villanova 68-62. Villanova had an ineligible player by the name of Howard Porter. Their appearance in the Basketball Championship Finals was revoked. Once again, I, I think that's the stupidest rule when it comes to college sports making teams players ineligible for stuff they did before. Everybody knows that Villanova was in the championship game. What are you going to say? All of a sudden it didn't happen? Yeah, I, I could argue about that one all day. One of the stupidest rules in all of sports are to vacate titles and things that happened. It already happened. There's nothing you could say, the NCAA could say, to make it not happen. You can't say it didn't happen because there was proof that it happened. 1978, Kentucky beat Duke 94-88 to win the 40th NCAA championship. 1983, Larry Holmes beat Lucian Rodriguez in 12 rounds to retain the heavyweight boxing championship. Um, the the uh, Players Championship in 1994, Greg Norman shot a 264, 24 under, a record at the time, beating Fuzzy Zeller by four strokes. Six years later, Hal Sutton beat Tiger Woods by one stroke to win the Players' Championship. Birthdays on this day in uh, 1878, Miller Huggins, Hall of Fame legendary manager, World Series champions with the Yankees in 1923, 27, 28, and 32. Effa Manley, uh, the Newark Eagles owner, legendary Negro Leagues um, pioneer, was born on this day in 1897. Former Major League outfielder Wes Covington was born on this day in 1932. Cal Yarborough, longtime uh, 
NASCAR champion. Was born on this day in 1939. Randall Cunningham was born on this day in 1963. Michael Kadire, former Twins, Rockies, and Mets outfielder, was born on this day in 1979. And former National League MVP and I believe future Hall of Fame catcher Buster Posey was born on this day in 1987. If you're interested in hearing me or seeing me flap my yap mouth anymore, you could check out the past ball show on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. We'll be back with you soon. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the Freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on it in my life. Now they come out as the biggest major league baseball manager apologist it'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired because hitters are going out there saying i'm either going to hit a home run or i'm going to strike out and if i don't get a pitch that i feel like i could drive out of the park i'm not even supposed to be here today especially prospect horrors and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when i say this i'm a dude the there are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you can say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at they put their tail between their legs decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.